bit of that song. Uh, woohoo. How are you, sir? Woohoo. Um, <laughs> gosh. This popular music, you know, it's jolly loud. You're going to get into it soon, aren't you? Am I? Yes. Oh. He was playing the air guitar. Listeners. Was he? Yes. Oh, you. you. Oh, me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, sir. If, I'm something, something's wrong. It's Friday. Yes, I'm sorry about that. I mean, if if the listener is discombobulated, um, I blame the protest because that's you blame them for everything. You know, oh, oh, I've got you know, I've got a squeaky door in my car. Well, it wasn't squeaky before the protest. <laughs> So anyway, apologies yeah. to the listener. No, no, but, we're very pleased know, to see you, TTIF got, and all got, that. Got here in, my, in the end. Yes. We, <laughs> Took me an extra day. <laughs> got lost in the corridor around yes. the back here. They're doing the, some building work. The corridors of power at RTHK. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's not go there. No. We'll get in trouble. Yes. OK. <laughs> now, tomorrow... Tomorrow, yes. ...is the Taiwanese elections. It is. It is. And it's a... Um, I think... You know, it's always a bit dodgy doing this a day ahead of an election, but I think it's a pretty clear indication who's going to win that election. Do you, do you think? Well, <laughs> let's put it this way. Chang Wan, the, the, the president and the leader of the DPP, has already drafted a, um, a, a, a message to Carrie Lam thanking her for her victory. Mm. <laughs> shall, I, shall I explain? So, so... Chang Wan, mm. um, who started out this election campaign as distinctly the underdog. Really, she was, wasn't she? She was very mm. much the underdog. Um, and she had quite formidable challenges from within her party, even to stand in the election, let alone mm. to, to defeat the, the um, Guomindang. And, you know, things were not going well for her. The economy was looking a bit rocky. She didn't seem to have the charisma um that that her uh opponents that KMT's Han had, etc. etc. And then up pops Hong Kong. Mm. And you know, the, the Han is going on, yes, yes, one country, two systems, and everybody in Taiwan is going, what, what? Mm. you mean we, what, we've like got we've got to have the system that there's two million people on the streets in Hong Kong saying they don't want on month of Sundays. He ends up, of course, saying, "Well, no, actually, we don't want one country, two systems." But you know, in the middle of an election campaign, to do such a belly flop uh, to that degree was not very persuasive. Mm. But the basic the basic thing is, it electrified her. It electrified Chiang Wan. She, she she came out in support of the Hong Kong protests, but much more substantially, because, of course, Taiwanese people understandably are looking after their own interests. They may be interested in Hong Kong, but they were basically saying, we just don't want that here, and she seems to be the person who's really Who standing up that. for us. Mm, mm. So in the middle of the election, well, it wasn't the middle, it was, it was, it was the, the second half of the election campaign, it became electrified by the Hong Kong protests. And incidentally, I, I've just been reading some reports today, it's quite common at election rallies, particularly of the ruling uh, DPP, for people to be chanting Hong Kong slogans, you know, revolution of our really? times. Really? Okay. It's, it's quite common. Mm. Mm. People in, in Taiwan seem to be hyper aware of what's going on in Hong Kong. And there's every reason to be, because the one country, two systems concept, as devised by Deng Xiaoping, back in the 1980s was aimed at Taiwan. It was always aimed mm. at Taiwan. He said, you know, Hong Kong will be the testing ground for this, but ultimately the reunification of Taiwan with the motherland will be achieved by one country, two systems. Now, at the time, um, I think it wasn't a 
particularly big topic in Taiwan because, you know, the relations were, were pretty good with the mainland. You still had, um, at that time, you still had the Guomindang dictatorship. Remember, they didn't have democratic elections. So there was every reason for people to look at that and go, yeah, okay, you know, one dictatorship joining with another dictatorship, we'll see how that goes. But now, of course, they do have elections, they do have a, a degree of freedom and liberty that didn't exist. Instead, in case anybody has rose-tinted glasses about the Guomintang time ruling Taiwan, it was very tough. I mean, they were the, they were the uh, twin sister of the Communist Party in, in running a repressive regime. To, to the eternal credit of Chiang Jinguo, uh, Chiang Kai-shek's son, they voluntarily yielded power. I mean, this is something really? that dictatorships do not normally do. Really? I didn't know that. He, mm. he never gets credit for it. I mean, he's, he's a sort of almost forgotten figure in history, but, you know... Why would they do that? Because he, he got it. He saw the writing in the mm. wall. He saw that the, the Guomindang dictatorship simply wasn't working. And ironically, I think he saw this because he'd spent so much of his life living in the Soviet Union. He, was, he, he, he spent his formative years living in the Soviet Union. Mm. He saw that country crumbling around his ears and thought, you know, is this really going to be the model that we want for our island state? Um, and I think there were other forces inside the Guomindang who, who, who had the same analysis, but he was the driving power right. who said, we are going to transform this dictatorship into an elected... Um, entity and again people keep forgetting that they then went on to win the first mm. democratic election well, uh, uh, and 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 others they 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 didn't just win the one election so they, so that was a they, pretty smart move by it him, was right? an extremely smart move mm. but you know mm. dictatorships are not known for their intelligence in these matters so here we are in taiwan uh, with a very belligerent government in Beijing threatening this, that and the other, and they have a leader in Jiang Wan who is saying, we're standing up to you, mm. you know, we're up with this, we will not put, and it's, it, it's resonating with people in Taiwan, and if she doesn't win the election tomorrow, I, I don't think I'll be the only person who's surprised, but I'll certainly be among those who are very surprised indeed. And as I say, I mean, I think the decent thing is to send a telegram to, if they still have such things, to Carrie Lamb saying, thanks a lot for your support. I couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> <laughs> what, what Carrie may reply yeah, is, wow. well, well, I think what she might reply is, uh, 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 I've never heard of you. I don't know who you are. And, um, you know, the usual. But uh, mind you, mind you. I mean, look what's going on there. So, so we we had the uh, replacement last week. It's very sudden by any standards. Replacement of oh what, here, what, yeah, here, mm. here of mm. Wang Jimin, the um, head of the liaison, central liaison. Yeah, that office. came from nowhere almost, didn't it? Well, it came. I think we the more people piece it together, it came from the um, results of the district council elections, because remember, before the district council elections were were to be held the pro-China camp were very, very much keen on saying, oh, the mood is changing, we better cancel these elections because they'll only result in the Democrats winning. And then 
amazingly, they suddenly got it into their heads that they would win the election. Yeah. And, and to them, the turning point was the occupation of Poly University and the, 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 the violence and the, the, the scenes of the mm. siege, etc., etc. What they didn't realise is that was precisely the turning point also mm. for the Democratic camp. And so the, the Reddick, so he read it completely wrong? He, is that well, what we're he, saying? I, I don't think he, he exclusively... I mean, he's carrying the can, but he has responsibility. I mean, the problem is that, that they're very, very frustrated in Beijing by the absolute abysmal level of intelligence they have from Hong Kong because the reporting they get from Hong Kong is from people who are too timid ever to tell the truth. I think they were also delusional about the elections. I think they genuinely did think that they were going to win the November poll, that, mm. that their narrative of the whole protest movement, we don't want to talk about why people are on the streets, all we want to talk about is violence and chaos, that that narrative had won the day and people had been persuaded that, that, that the only form of getting back to so-called normal would be to put like the DAB and all the other um, pro-China Muppets, Muppets back into office. Well, you know, so he makes this confident um, prediction to his bosses. Everybody I talk to says we're going to do very well in these elections. We've got great candidates. <coughs> and, um, you know, no need to worry, let them go ahead. Well, we know what happened. And someone mm. had to take carry the can. Mm. And all we're now waiting for is for the replacement of, of the Sino, the chief executive in name only, because she only survives in office. I mean, this is clearer and clearer by the day, simply because they haven't got a replacement at the moment. They just can't think from that amazingly thin field of talent that they're drawing upon. Who, who could fit? Who could mm. fit? Mm. And, and, you know, and, and the problem is for them, is that people who are outside the, the, the absolute, you know, the most avid um, uh, Peking duck eaters, but outside of that circle, that, you know, people just going, I wouldn't touch that job with a barge pole. I mean, Carrie Lamb can't even get people to join her so-called committee of inquiry into the root causes of the protest, oh, because oh. everybody with half a Nobody brain... Nobody must be tired, right, with nobody, that? Why mm. would you do it? Mm. I mean, you know what that... Um, committee has got to you know what um they've got to come up with by way of results beforehand why would you want your name to go down in history such as it is as being someone who was associated with that so the only people she could get to join that committee would be the usual suspects you know the mm. usual people who she has on all her committees well if that's all she's got, she's kind of got those people anyway. She can just shovel them into a, a room and they'll write the script and they'll go, oh, I see here. So, I mean, I've independently concluded that... Cetera, Almost not worth having the meeting, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, just going back to the liaison office, though, with Liu Hinning, um, the new The new guy, guy, yes. I mean, what do we know about him? Well, I think what we know about him is 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 a couple of things. One is that he doesn't know anything about Hong Kong. I mean, he's visited here once. And he... It's quite where, interesting. Where does he spin. come from? Um, he... I don't know where he comes from, but, I mean, he's famous for so-called having um, turned things around. I think it was in Shandong. Shandong, right? Yes. Okay. Mm, mm. Um, uh, but, but, I mean, 
what people are saying, and it's quite interesting that, that this is from, you know, from, from the usual Peking duck-eating circles. They're going, oh, you know, it's very good. He doesn't know anything about Hong Kong because he isn't, he isn't saddled with all those contacts. Actually, that means contacts with you boys. It means you idiots he isn't saddled with having previous relationships with. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with a fresh eye, actually. Mm. I think, in principle, this is unobjectionable. Mm. You often have, for example... Uh, people appointed in in countries as as foreign ministers who don't know a great deal about the countries that they're dealing with, but you know they're either a quick learn or they're a slow learn. I think that to me is is, is the big division. Now I, I have no idea whether he's a quick learn. I mean he's he's um, at retirement age, which is interesting, but it mm. also means he's got a lot of experience. He's supposed to be a hard man. He's supposed to have a reputation for knowing lots about economics and turning around um, difficult business situations. And, you know, if, if their mindset is still that the only way to regard Hong Kong is as some sort of business centre and somehow everything else will fall into place, mm. the consequences of that are known. You don't have to guess at them mm. because mm. they've already been, um, been seen on the streets. But, you know, if, if you still have this picture firmly in your mind and you're unprepared to alter it by the mere existence of reality well good luck i mean it's it's, it's a it's a way to go so is he just a firm hand on the tiller you know for now not do anything well, I mean, well, what he said is because of his age he's he's a firm but temporary hand on the tiller he's mm. he's past um, the communist party's retirement age of 65 so yes i i presume so but i think i i, I actually think it it, it it we're looking at this from the the wrong end what it is is that in the communist system you always have to pay the price. You always mm. have to find a person. So the system is perfect, the party is perfect, but one of its operatives has failed. So in this case, it's Wang Jimin who's been promoted to looking after some culture and literary centre, which clearly is a promotion. <coughs> uh, <laughs> they, they did have a dog catcher's post for him, but apparently that was too senior. So, you know, it is, in the, it is the way mm. it works. Mm. And, you know... Uh, and if Carrie Lam, for some bizarre reason, is sitting in government house or, or hopping around, whatever it is she does, burning the midnight oil, as she tells us she does every single night, and thinks her job is secure, <laughs> if I were her, I would keep those packers on retainer because they're going to be called upon at very short notice. And how do we know that? Because it's the way they do things. It's as simple as that. Mm. The only thing mm. that will save her is if they really do find to fail some other idiot to go in but you know um but there's really no one is there because well, but you, 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 what are you the know, qualities they, they need what are the qualities they need subservience <laughs> to, to, well i mean that's what the, i mean this is the bizarre thing they're asking for the impossible mm. they want mm. somebody who is totally subservient also highly dynamic also enable uh, able to inspire trust somebody and from hong kong who's so cantonese speaking Canton. well they have to be cantonese speaking they they might not be Cantonese. I mean, if you if you think about it, their choice of chief executives, uh, the first chief executive, of course, was Tung Chi who was Shanghainese. Mm. They, they liked, um, and in fact, nobody else did, so somebody had to like him. They liked Leung Chung Ying, who also isn't Cantonese. And, and the, the only Cantonese uh, people that they've actually um, put any trust in was Donald Jung, still out of jail, and Carrie Lam, who's been a phenomenal success. So, 
I don't think they're wedded to somebody who is of Cantonese origin. I mean, obviously, it has to be a local person, but uh, mm. I think they feel more comfortable, actually, with people who aren't Cantonese. I think that's yet another layer of problems, which is why, you know, for example, there you hear the name of Henry Tang, who's from a Shanghainese family, being uh, mentioned again. Um, but, you know, there's numerous possibilities, none of which are good. I mean, there's always the, the per, 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 perennial, I was trying to say, too many P's in that, um, Regina Ip jumping up and down, going, I can do it, I can do it, I'm tough, I'm tough. And they're going, yes, right, but I can do it, I assure you, I'm tougher than her, I'm smellier than her, I can do it. She doesn't say smellier than her, that's a libel, I take that back. <laughs> I mean, if if it was if there was no there were there were no subservience required, who could do the job? I mean, just to, you know, if it well, was a I regular think, job. I think what people keep saying and um, is that if you want a credible figure mm. from the pro-China camp, there is actually only one. Mm. And uh, by mentioning his name, of course, I do him no f favors. But it's Chan Yat Singh. <laughs> He is the only person in the yeah. pro-China camp who He's has got any shown, respect, right? And well, has shown integrity, mm, mm. has shown intelligence, and has shown some independence of mind. He is quite clearly a Communist Party member. I know in Hong Kong nobody admits to being a Communist Party member, but you don't get to be the head of a communist-run school without being a party member. I mean, let's let's talk to the grown-ups now mm, and mm. say that's that's what happens. But he's a man of considerable integrity. He didn't, unlike all the other, um, you know, newly new, newly formed red fanatics, you know, Maria Tam, Rita Van, he didn't switch sides as soon as the change of flag was announced. He, he was a leftist and has been a leftist since his early youth as has his brother Jan Tak Singh who was served briefly in government and used to be the editor of um, Da Gong Bao a communist newspaper so I think we can assume he was also a member of the communist party that's somehow Go on. how it works mm. so mm. you know he's a man of integrity and precisely because he has that integrity and he has a reputation for independent thinking you can be 100% sure it won't be him he right? won't be him <laughs> It will be someone, I mean, it will, you know, four out of four failed chief executives is not a record to be proud of. And each one has failed, not a little, spectacularly. The first one had to go after the protests against the attempts to um, bring in the um, Article 23, the anti-subversion law, masterminded by, yes, our old Regina friend Regina Ip. Um, the second one... Um, who, you know, the safe pair of hands, Donald Jung, who they never really liked. I mean, they just thought, oh, after Tung, we better have someone who actually knows. And one of Tung's great problems was he just didn't know how to mm. run the government. Mm. Apparently things would pile up on his desk. He was he was a com absolutely um, uh, insane micromanager, but didn't manage. I mean, it's the two worst Nothing things. moved forward, right? Nothing moved forward. He said, you know, everything's got to come on my desk, mm. but, you know, it's not going to leave the desk. Mm. It just sits there. So they, there was constant frustration with him. And incidentally, what was very interesting, um, I've done a lot of research about this, was in the early stages of the administration, the the... <laughs> The central liaison office and the people in Beijing were quite agitated by how often he'd sort of get in touch and say, "Do you think I should do this? Do you think I should do that?" They were going, no, "But that's the get, job, mate. Get on with it." And 
<laughs> yeah, you're supposed to do that. So you know, he set the tone. I mean, now of course they 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 take the initiative to oh. tell tell the the, the the Muppets what to do. But um, so so then you had Donald Jung, you know, a, a reborn um, British colonial retread who, mm. who who did his best to prove he to be, to prove himself to be an ultra loyalist, and apparently. Um, <clears throat> Um, had a bit sticky fingers. We still, of course, don't know whether he really did have sticky fingers or not, because although people say, oh, he, he succeeded on appeal, he didn't succeed on appeal. The appeal that, that let him out of jail was, was a uh, on matters of procedure. Procedure, not the actual thing. Not, right? not the actual yeah. offence. And then, of course, you had Lan Chung Ying, who was a phenomenal hmm. success, loved by everybody, and just served the one term. And now we've got the Sino. She's actually more unpopular than Lan Chung Ying. Nobody would have believed Who'd that have thought? was possible. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? <laughs> Steve Vines here on a Friday this week. We'll be back with Steve in a moment. <laughs> And uh, goodbye, Mr. A. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, Mr. A. Or not, not goodbye, Mr. V, or even uh, goodbye, well, Ms. Ms. Masino. <laughs> All right, now, 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 the big thing is, have we got SARS again? Have we? Well, that, that is a perfectly valid question to which, mm. who knows, is the answer. So they're now saying that this so-called Wuhan uh, pneumonia isn't SARS, and mm. they point out that nobody is dead. I mean, these are good things. We hope this is true, but the problem here is who believes them? Mm -hmm. You know, it, they keep saying, you know, the trouble with, with all these people in the opposition is they turn everything into politics. Well, now you understand that the reason is because everything is politics. politics and... Why is there so little transparency on the mainland, particularly when it comes to a major health epidemic. I mean, remember how the mainland dealt with SARS. For the first long period, they were in denial, there is no problem, no one is dying. We then found out that, yes, there were actually people dying, and, oh, yes, there most definitely was a problem. So, you know, the system is never transparent. It certainly is never honest. And now they say, trust us, trust us. But why? We've, we've got the track record. So then you've got here, amazingly, because, of course, nothing to do with politics. The government can't even bring itself to issue a travel advisory to the Hong Kong people. Uh, you might want to think about going to Wuhan because that's the place where this mm. comes from. They go, oh, I don't know. travel advisories on the main. Oh, oh, we're going to get revolved. Oh, we're going to get in trouble for we're that. We're going to get in trouble for that. Teacher's going to mm. come and smack us on the watsits. So, you know, none of that happens. Mm. Now they're saying the latest, as I understand it, is they've actually traced the virus, they know what it is, and they know how to tackle it. Well, again, may or may not be true. The problem is, when you have a history of lying, dissembling, and simply ignoring problems, people think every word that comes out of your mouth is not to be trusted. And so, you know, you now have people wandering around with masks 
Incidentally, that's another problem because the government is trying to ban people from doing mm. that, but says it's all right if we say it's all right, but it's not in the law. But anyway, let's make that very clear. Uh, uh, clear? Yes. Mm. I mean, there's actually a court case on, as on, we right? speak, yeah. uh, in the Court of Appeal, with the government appealing for the right to make um, mask wearing illegal, but apparently not in circumstances where it's not. And I think good luck with all of that. I mean, the fact that they're actually pursuing this action is staggering in the middle of this health crisis. But they are. Good luck to them. A disconnect between departments? <sighs> disconnect between brain and... Um, <laughs> But, you know, I mean, you, you, you look, the person who's the Secretary of Health, uh, Sophia Chan, who actually has a medical background, she, she's a, she was originally a nurse. I mean, I, I, I assume that in some ways, I've got to be generous here, she's acting in good faith and she does have some handle on, on the science. But the problem is she's part of an administration that is so tainted and so disbelieved is hopeless. I mean, she can stand up and say, you know, I, I my name is Sophia Chan, and people go, oh, I'm going to have to fact check that. I really, really, I, 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 you know, I can't take that as that as a given. And, you know, she looks at the clock, she says 10 o'clock, people go, well, your clock says it's 10 o'clock. So going back to our previous discussion before the news, does that mean that even if there's a new person brought in on top, that actually there needs to be a wholesale clear-out. There really does. I mean, uh, it, 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 you can't have this level of crisis without that happening. I mean, I mean, it is quite instructive to see, remember, during last year, when, when Hong Kong was, was, was in the thaws of a very serious level of turmoil, so are places like uh, Bolivia, so are places like Chile, so are places like Beirut, all of whom all of whom had a change of government because it was because it is elementary common sense that a regime that has led to that level of disruption cannot cannot at all regain credibility now you may say particularly in the case of lebanon which is the only one of those countries that i know anything about that that yes new people but same same in all other respects because the, the Lebanese system is they shuffle the leadership between a small number of families who do a bad job in consecutive terms and it may well be that that is go what's going to happen but the fact of the matter is at least symbolically you have to have a change, a change at the mm. top you know the mm. buck has to stop somewhere i mean the incredible thing about the hong kong government is the buck just doesn't even move let alone stop I wouldn't mind if it's at least moving. You know, I mean, there's Karen, I'm going, oh, I humbly this, I humbly that. And you're thinking, no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't humbly anything. This is just, you know, I don't know why she keeps using that word, but she, she uses it a lot. I'm to blame, I'm to blame. And, and just to prove that I'm to blame, I'm not going to change anything at all. Everything's going to be exactly as it was. How many times can you say that? <laughs> well, I think once you've said it twice, nobody's listening any longer, so you can carry on saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Vines is with us. It's Friday and not Thursday, but he's here anyway. Shall we talk about an entirely non-CNO, non non-government credibility subject? Yes, let's do that Shall in we? just a moment after this record.